0: This is episode 451 of the AWS Podcast. Released on June 6, 2021. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS Podcast. Everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon so Alicia here with you. Great to have you back flying solo for this particular update show, but Nikki will be back. Lots of cool updates to share, but first, some listener feedback. Uh, as I often mention, you get to record feedback, and we do love to get your feedback and hear what you're thinking. And here's some feedback that was shared recently. Hi, Simon. Hi, Nikki. My name is Bob Hafter, And I just want to record this quick message to say thank you for all the work that you do with the official AWS podcast. I just uh, finished listening. Uh, Nikki's interview with Andy Caldwell about Aqua, learned a ton, very fascinating tech. And I also, uh, the other day I got done with the day in the life of an essay with the, the one that Simon did with the solutions architects there at AWS. Love the content, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Bob. And there's some good tips there for listeners of episodes you should check out. There's also a new resource available to you. We have a new book. In fact, uh, I've got a bit of a summary for you so that you can understand what's available to you around data science on AWS. So the question is, are you working with AI and machine learning and curious how to successfully build and deploy data science projects on AWS? Or you can check out the new book, Data Science on AWS, which is authored by AWS developer advocates Chris Fregley and Anchi Bath. In this practical book, Chris and Angie show the Amazon AI and machine learning stack and how it unifies data science, data engineering, and application development to help level up your skills. This guide shows you how to build and run pipelines in the cloud, then integrate the results into applications in minutes instead of days. Sounds good to me. Throughout the book, authors Chris and Angie also demonstrate how to reduce cost and improve performance. You can check it out, link in the show notes, also, of course, on amazon.com. So lots of great updates to share with you today. We're gonna start with the topic of analytics and we're pleased to announce the general availability of Amazon Redshift ML. This enables you to create, train, and deploy machine learning models using familiar SQL commands. And with Amazon Redshift ML, you can leverage Amazon SageMaker, which is a fully managed machine learning service, without moving your data or learning new skills. So this makes it really easy for you to get up and running because Amazon Redshift ML automatically discovers the best model and tunes based on training data using Amazon SageMaker Autopilot. And this means that you don't have to make too many decisions to get things going. And it also leverages your existing cluster resources for prediction so you can avoid any additional Amazon Redshift charges as well. So very good capability. AWS Glue DataBrew has added new nest and unnest transformations, which let users pack or unpack data into columns to manipulate their data sets. So this is useful if you're extracting data from nested JSON string fields or combining data without writing any code. And if you've ever wrangled JSON nested string fields, you'll know that's going to make life a bit easier. Some updates for Amazon EMR Elastic MapReduce, the 6.3 release version supports a whole bunch of new capabilities, including Apache Spark 3.1.1, And it also now supports Amazon EC2 on-demand capacity reservations. When rotating a long-running cluster, you might have strict requirements on the instance types and availability zones for the new instances that you provision. Using capacity reservations, you can get a capacity assurance to complete the cluster rotation without interruptions. You can also use capacity reservations to provision a group of successive short-lived clusters for individual workloads such that when you terminate a cluster, the next cluster can use a capacity reservation. So lots of flexibility to be had there. Amazon EMR 6.3 now supports Apache Ranger for fine-grained data access control. So you can have a lot more control over who accesses what and how they get access to it. You can also now use Kubernetes pod templates with Amazon EMR on Amazon EKS to simplify running Spark workloads and control costs. This makes it simple to run your Spark jobs on shared EKS clusters. Now a pod is a group of one or more containers with shared storage and network resources and a specification on how to run the containers. And pod templates are specifications which determine how each pod runs. Customers often consolidate multiple applications on a shared EKS cluster to improve utilization and save cost. But every application might have different requirements. So you might have uh, performance intensive workloads such as ML model training running on SSD backed instances for better performance or ad hoc workloads on spot instances for lower cost. You can also schedule a separate logging container to forward logs for your existing monitoring applications as well. With this release, you can use pod templates with EMR on EKS to configure how to run Spark jobs on shared EKS clusters. Lots of options and choices available to you there. An update for Amazon Managed Workflows for Apache Airflow now supports Apache Airflow version 2.0, latest version of the popular open source tool that helps customers author, schedule, and monitor workflows. And Amazon MSK now adds support for Apache Kafka version 2.7.1, bug fixes, and some other good stuff there. Anyways, Data Exchange now supports custom payment schedules for private offers. So you can now pay for your data products installments created by the data provider. Before this launch, subscribers pay the total price of their private offer at the start of the subscription. With the introduction of payment schedules, providers can now create private offers for subscribers that generate up to 36 invoices on specific dates throughout a subscription. Amazon Elasticsearch Service now announces a newer, lower-cost storage tier. This now supports cold storage, which is a fully managed storage tier that makes it easy for customers to securely store and analyze their own frequently accessed data on demand at a lower cost than other storage tiers. You pay for compute when you need it but you don't pay for it when you're not using it. And cold storage allows you to retain any amount of data in your Amazon Elasticsearch service domain while reducing your cost per gigabyte to near Amazon S3 storage prices. So now you have a range of different access types that you can apply to your storage requirements. Bunch of updates for Amazon Athena. Amazon Athena has added built in support for cross account AWS Glue data catalogs, so you can now access data in other locations. Customers need a central data catalog to enable analysts and data scientists to access their data lake without the complexity of replicating catalog metadata in individual AWS accounts. Now, it makes it much easier to connect it all together using the Athena console or API. And Amazon Athena drivers now support Azure Active Directory and Ping Federate authentication with compatible business intelligence, SQL, or embedded analytics applications. So this makes it even easier to authenticate and connect. We're also pleased to announce Amazon Kinesis Data Analytics Studio. This allows you to interactively query data streams and develop stream processing applications powered by Apache Flink. Now this lets you get up and running with just a few clicks. You launch a serverless notebook to perform ad hoc querying and live data exploration on data streams, and you can get your results in seconds. And from that notebook interface, you can Also easily build and deploy your code as stream processing applications with durable state and auto-scaling to continuously generate actionable insights in real time with no additional development effort. So very cool capability there. And related to that, Amazon Kinesis Data Analytics now supports rollback application, list application versions, and describe application version APIs as well in preview. And last update in this topic, AWS Lake Formation now supports tag-based access control. So this allows you to create logical access control policies based upon those tags. Tag-based access control decouples policy creation from the resource creation, which helps data stewards govern large numbers of databases, tables, and columns by removing the need to update policies every time a new resource is added to the data lake. It also ensures that governance can be scaled easily by replacing the policy definition from thousands of resources down to a small number of logical tags. Moving on to the topic of application integration, Amazon SQS now supports a high throughput mode for FIFO queues. So these are first in, first out queues and Amazon SQS, the simple queue service, one of my favorites, has now announced the general availability of high throughput mode, which allows you to process up to 3,000 messages per second per API action. This is a tenfold increase from the current quota, which was 300. Amazon API REST APIs now integrates with step function synchronous express workflows. So you can now trigger a synchronous express workflow from AWS step functions and respond with the output of that workflow. Makes it a lot easier to do your integration. And speaking of integration, Amazon EventBridge now supports sharing events between event buses in the same account and region. So you can use this to aggregate all your events from different event buses into a single event bus. The bus of buses. You can also fan out events from a single event bus to other event buses, making it easier to decouple applications and produce more extensible, maintainable event-driven architectures within your organization. Speaking of Step Functions and Event Bridge, AWS Step Functions now supports custom events to Amazon Event Bridge. So this enables you to send custom events from your step functions workflows to an event bridge event bus without writing custom code. Can now emit custom events from your workflows that allow loosely coupled applications to react to steps in your business logic, orchestrated by step functions. You can also use this integration to send events to applications in a different region or a different account by using event bridges cross-account and cross-region capabilities. Quick update for Amazon MQ: it now supports Active MQ version 5.15.15, several fixes and new features. And Amazon AppFlow now expands its features with Marketo. So Amazon AppFlow is a fully managed integration service that allows customers to securely transfer data between AWS services and cloud applications. And it now has additional features with Marketo. You can now select leads and activities objects in Marketo and move them into AWS services like the Simple Storage Service, Redshift, or Amazon Lookout for metrics. In addition, customers can also synchronize these objects with Salesforce, Snowflake, and Upsolver, or create new leads objects in Marketo based on data in Amazon S3 or Salesforce. Moving on to the topic of business applications, WK WebView now supported with Amazon Chime SDK for JavaScript. So this enables developers to support audio and video functionalities in an iOS WK WebView component. And what this means is developers can now use the Chime SDK for JavaScript within a native iOS's application component to enable audio and video capabilities. Basically, use the same SDK, get twice the goodness. Moving on to the topic of compute, Amazon Elastic Container Service Anywhere, ECS Anywhere is now generally available. This is a new capability of Amazon ECS. It provides a fully managed container orchestration service that enables customers to run and manage containerized applications on premises using the same APIs, cluster management, workload scheduling, monitoring, and deployment pipelines that they use with Amazon ECS today. Customers can use Amazon ECS anywhere on their own infrastructure by connecting their servers or instances to the managed Amazon ECS control plane. And enterprises who need to keep their data on-premises for latency or regulatory reasons can now use a single and consistent cloud-managed container orchestrator across their hybrid footprint. AWS Container Optimizer has enhanced the EC2 instance type recommendations. Now, this is a great service that... Recommends optimal AWS resources for your workloads to reduce cost and increase performance using machine learning to analyze historical utilization metrics. And so there are some additional new capabilities including a recommendation quality improvements. So it now considers things like network packets per second, local storage throughput, local storage IOPS, et cetera, et cetera. It also now supports 153 more EC2 instance types. And it also provides deeper insights into recommendations by identifying specific resource dimensions that were over or under provisioned. So you can understand what it's doing. And it also provides platform difference information as well. So you can easily identify any potential changes. So network drivers, NVMe. Drivers, etc. And also Adibus Compute Optimizer now supports exporting Amazon EBS volume and Adibus Lambda function memory size recommendations as CSV files to S3, so you can do all kinds of cool analytics. Amazon EC2 auto-scaling has introduced predictive scaling as a native scaling policy. So you can now proactively scale out your auto-scaling group to be ready for upcoming demand. Now, this avoids you having to over-provision capacity, which means you can keep your costs low whilst ensuring your application is responsiveness. Now, previously, you could do this only through the AWS auto-scaling plans, but now it's built in as a native capability. Quick update for on LightSail DNS. It now supports pointing root domains to LightSail container services. Now, LightSail DNS already supported creating CNAME records mapping to your container services. With this launch, LightSail DNS supports aliasing your custom root domain to your container service default domain, which wasn't possible before. So now you can create an A or quadruple A record in your LightSail hosted DNS zone pointing to the zone apex to a container service. And DNS management is free within LightSail. AWS Lambda extensions are now generally available. These are a new way to integrate your favorite operational tools for monitoring, observability, security, and governance with AWS Lambda. So, starting today, extensions are generally available with new performance improvements and an expanded set of partners, including Imperva, Instana, Sentry, Site 247, and the AWS Distro for Open Telemetry. So, extensions use the Lambda Runtime Extensions API to integrate deeply into the Lambda environment. They control and participate in all phases of the Lambda life cycle. So this is function initialization, invocation, and shutdown. And extensions from AWS, AWS partners, and open source tools give you access to a wide range of use cases. So, for example, you can use extensions to prefetch configuration and secrets before your function handler is executed, or send function logs directly to any destination. This is very, very cool. Now, with this release, the Lambda service returns the response from the function as soon as the function code is complete without waiting for the included extensions to finish. This enables extensions to perform activities like sending telemetry to a preferred destination after the function's response has been returned. AWS Outposts now has support for EC2 capacity reservations. So you can create and manage a reserved capacity on Amazon EC2 instances on your Outposts. And you can share these capacity reservations with other AWS accounts within your organization. So this ensures you always have access to EC2 capacity when you need it, for as long as you need it. Update for the Amazon Elastic Kubernetes Service or Amazon EKS. It now supports using the Amazon EKS console CLI and API to install and manage core DNS and Kube proxy in addition to additional support for the Amazon VPC CNI networking plugin. So this makes it easier to define consistent clusters and keep them up and running. Now, the EKS team has been super busy. So Amazon EKS and EKS Distro now support Kubernetes version 1.20. So this includes runtime class and process ID limits reaching stable status, API priority and fairness being enabled by default, and kube control debug reaching beta status. So that's the latest and greatest version. And Amazon EKS managed node groups add support for Kubernetes and node taints, simplifying node lifecycle management for clusters with varying application resource requirements. An update on the topic of cost management, the AWS Application Cost Profiler, which is a managed service that enables you to view a portion cost of AWS resources for software applications shared by multiple users is available. This is super useful for ISVs that can use AWS Application Cost Profiler to get granular cost breakdown and help understand gross margin of each tenant. Organizations who run software applications shared amongst different teams can also use AWS Application Cost Profiler to determine internal proportionate cost allocation models based upon usage. On to the topic of customer engagement, Amazon Connect adds near real-time insights into voice call, chat, and task activity. It now allows customers to subscribe to a near real-time stream of contact events, so things like voice calls, chats, and tasks, and the events, things like call is queued, into your Amazon Connect contact center. Now, what this allows you to do is to create analytics dashboards to monitor and track contact activity and integrate into workforce management solutions to better understand contact center performance or to integrate applications that react to events, so things like call disconnected in real time. Now, these Amazon contact events are published via Amazon EventBridge and can be set up in a couple of clicks by going to the Amazon EventBridge AWS console and creating a new rule. Moving on to the topic of databases, Amazon RDS for Oracle now supports multi-tenant container databases. So this supports the creation of a DB instance with a single pluggable database using the Oracle multi-tenant architecture. This enables a DB instance to operate as a multi-tenant container database or a CDB. A PDB is a set of schema objects and non-schema objects that logically appear to a client as a non-CDB. It's all very inception-like, but all you need to know is that you can now do it. And Amazon RDS for Oracle now also supports the April 2021 patch set updates for Oracle Database 12.1 and also the April 21 release updates as well to keep you all up to date and secure. Amazon Aurora with MySQL compatibility now supports T3 large instances. So this is in addition to the T3 medium, small, and R5 ones that were already available. So this is really useful for smaller workloads like test, dev, and QA. Amazon Aurora MySQL has also improved the availability of read replicas. It now maintains read availability through write node restarts. Previously, when a writer node restarted, all the nodes in the Aurora MySQL cluster restarted as well. With today's launch, reader nodes will continue to serve read requests during a writer node restart, which improves the read availability of the cluster. We're also happy to announce that Postgres 12.5 support has been introduced for Amazon RDS on AWS Outposts. So if you want to use that in production, you can go right ahead. And there are also new patch releases for Amazon Aurora Postgres SQL that are available as well to keep you latest and greatest and up to date. And Amazon RDS for SQL Server now supports managed disaster recovery with Amazon RDS cross-region automated backups. This feature extends upon the existing RDS backup functionality, giving you the ability to set up automatic replication of system snapshots and transaction logs from a primary AWS region to a second AWS region. Now, the Amazon RDS cross-region automated backups feature enables disaster recovery capability for mission-critical databases by providing you the ability to restore your database to a specific point in time within your backup retention period. So it means you can pick up when you need to go from to make sure you're running pretty well. Now, Amazon RDS for SQL Server supports this feature for SQL Server 2014 and later, and you can now use this feature between US East 1 and US West 2, EU Central 1, EU West 1, and from AP 1 Northeast to AP Northeast 3. More to come. You can now manage your Amazon key spaces for Apache Cassandra service quotas through the service quota console. So, if you wanna see what you're at in terms of your limits and make changes, you can. Amazon DynamoDB Global Tables now support AWS CloudFormation. So if you want to build those, you can do that with CloudFormation. And if you're thinking about developing applications with Amazon DynamoDB, there's a new curriculum of three free digital courses to help you accelerate those skills. You can use the Exploring the DynamoDB API and AWS SDK course, the Working with Indexes in DynamoDB course, and Managing Capacity, Consistency, and Performance. These courses take 90 to 150 minutes to complete and include scenario-based animations, reading modules, demonstrations, quizzes, and optional self-paced labs. Onto the topic of developer tools, Adibus X-Ray now supports VPC endpoints. So with this feature, you can communicate with X-Ray service within your VPC without exposing that traffic to the public internet. And AWS Toolkit for Visual Studio Code has added Java and Go support for serverless applications. So using the AWS Toolkit for VS Code, customers can now create, locally debug, and deploy AWS Lambda functions written in Java and Go. And Java users will be able to step through debug Lambda functions built with Maven and Gradle in Java 8, Java 8, AL2, and Java 11, while Go users will be able to do the same with Lambda functions built in Golang 1.14+. And AWS App2 Container now supports deployment of containerized applications to AWS AppRunner. With this feature, users can now target AppRunner as a deployment runtime in addition to ECS and EKS that were previously supported. Using App2 Container, developers can take a running Linux-based web application, analyze, containerize, and deploy to AppRunner in a few simple steps, and receive a secure URL to access the web service. And users can take advantage of continuous deployment, auto-scaling, and monitoring of the deployed web service offered by AppRunner. Onto the topic of end user computing, Amazon WorkDocs adds filtering to the activity feed for both iOS and Android. So you can now filter to narrow your results on both those platforms. Onto the topic of GameTech, Amazon Lumberyard Beta 1.28 is now available. A range of updates, including an updated Twitch gem, an improved setup and installation experience, plus various smaller improvements and over 40 bug fixes. On to the topic of Internet of Things. The alarms feature is now generally available for AWS IoT SiteWise and AWS IoT events. Now this allows you to set up, visualize and manage rule-based alerts for devices, equipment and processes. You can receive these alerts via SMS or email in near real time when equipment data breaches thresholds, which allows operations teams to take timely actions to reduce unplanned equipment downtime. For any IoT data you wanna monitor, you just define an alarm rule to apply and select the severity for the alarm definition and you configure the notifications for when it's triggered And to integrate alarm notifications into your own ticketing system, you can also configure actions to other AWS services such as AWS Lambda, Amazon Simple Queue Service, and Amazon Simple Notification Service to be executed when an alarm triggers. Fleet Hub for AWS IoT Device Management, which is a new, easy way to monitor and interact with IoT device fleets, is now generally available. This feature enables customers to easily create a fully managed web application to view and interact with their device fleets to monitor the fleet and device health respond to alarms, take remote actions, and reduce time for troubleshooting. And it can be deployed across the enterprise in minutes without any code. And it visualizes state device and health, a whole bunch of cool stuff. It is a very nifty capability. And AWS IoT device management has launched job templates in preview to make deployment of fleet-wide remote operations faster, easier, and more secure. So it's all about operating at scale. Job templates make deploying remote actions faster and easier and more secure. And it makes it more reliable to roll things out across the fleet. And as uh, IT professionals, we've all rolled things out across the fleet that we wish we hadn't. So this makes it much more reliable and simpler. We're also thrilled to announce the general availability of AWS IoT. Core Device Advisor. It's now generally available in US East 1, US West 2, EU West 1, and AP Northeast 1 regions. And now developers can use pre-built tests provided by Device Advisor to validate that their IoT devices implement best practices for reliable and secure connectivity with AWS IoT Core. And this means you can very quickly validate your device software against best practice usages for a whole raft of the very niche type things that we have to do in the world of IoT. On to the topic of machine learning, and there are so many updates to share with you on this one, it's pretty exciting. Amazon SageMaker now offers new flexibility into configuring the model building pipelines. So now you can specify custom dependencies between the steps of the model building pipeline. Also, Amazon SageMaker Autopilot has added automatic cross-validation to improve model quality on smaller data sets by up to 35%. So Amazon SageMaker Autopilot automatically builds, trains, and tunes the best machine learning models based upon your data while giving you full control and visibility. Now, what's changed is that Autopilot now performs cross-validation on input data sets under 50,000 rows for all problem types. With cross validation, you benefit from increased robustness to undesired splits between training and validation data, resulting in improved model quality. And depending on the data set and problem type, you may see improved model quality by up to 35%. Amazon SageMaker Pipelines is now integrated with Amazon SageMaker Experiments. So what this means is that you can now organize, track, compare, and evaluate your ML experiments on a pipeline basis and it all plugs in nice and natively. The creation of experiment for a pipeline and a trial for every pipeline execution is turned on by default and you can choose to opt out of the auto creation. And Amazon SageMaker Autopilot has also now added automatic deployment support for the best trained model. With auto deploy option enabled, SageMaker Autopilot will automatically create an endpoint and deploy your best model, enabling you to run real time inference on your endpoint. You can modify or delete the endpoint anytime to meet your changing inference needs. Also an update for Amazon SageMaker, it now supports Elastic Fabric Adapter for distributed training. Now EFA is a network interface for Amazon EC2 instances that enable customers to run applications requiring high levels of internode communications at scale on AWS. It can significantly speed up distributed training on SageMaker at no additional cost. For example, we trained the BERT natural language processing model with SageMaker's distributed data parallel library on 32 mlp 4 d 24x large instances, and the training was up to 130% faster with EFA compared to the Elastic Network Adapter, so it's a nice way to get some speed. You can also now prepare data for machine learning faster and easier on Amazon SageMaker Data Wrangler with support for more data sources and distributed jobs. So... Anyone who's done anything related to machine learning knows that wrestling with the data is a lot harder than pretty much everything else. With SageMaker Data Wrangler, you can simplify the process of data preparation and feature engineering, and complete each step of the data preparation workflow, including data selection, cleansing, exploration, and visualization from a single visual interface. And starting today, you can use the new capabilities that make it easier and faster to prepare data for machine learning, including Cross-account access for Amazon S3, support for up to 1,000 columns of data, distributed jobs, and a new SageMaker Data Wrangler notebook experience. An update for Amazon Polly, which is a service that turns text into lifelike speech. And there is a new Korean neural text-to-speech voice. It is the NTTS version of Seoyeon, and I'm probably saying that terribly wrong, which is a Korean Polly voice. Now, Polly customers can enjoy Seoyeon in either an NTTS or standard Korean voice. We're very happy to announce enhancements to Amazon Recognition Text Detection with support for more words, higher accuracy, and lower latency. Starting today, Recognition can now detect up to 100 words in an image, up from the previous limit of 50 words. And in addition, you get higher accuracy, especially for cases with legible text, which are correctly rejected now. And lastly, the average latency for each text detection API call is reduced by up to 70%. Amazon Forecast now supports generating predictions for five times more items using three times more historical data points. That's a lot more of everything. Uh, so this means you've got more information and more data points applying to make things even better. Until today, you're limited to generating forecasts for 1 million unique items. Now you don't have that limit anymore. The limit is increasing to 5 million items. And related to Amazon Forecast, we're also very happy to announce Amazon Forecast Weather Index for South America. So this is the South American region. Weather Index can increase your forecasting accuracy by automatically including the latest local weather information in your demand forecasts with one click and no extra cost. And as we all know, weather can affect certain forecasts. Amazon Lex now supports resource-based policies for bots and aliases. A resource-based policy defines which AWS IAM users' roles and AWS services have access to your Amazon Lex bot or a specific alias in the bot. And speaking of Lex, the serverless bot framework adds new integrations for customers to expand the use of their Amazon Lex chatbots. The solution now enables customers to explore three types of Amazon Lex V2 integration with AWS Lambda. Firstly, it enables the chatbot to use an AWS Lambda function for intent fulfillment and for storing the intent data into an Amazon DynamoDB table. Second, it enables the chatbot to use AWS Lambda function for slot validation by retrieving data from Amazon DynamoDB. And third, it allows the chatbot to connect to external APIs via the AWS Lambda function. Amazon Transcribe Medical now provides automatic protected health information PHI identification for batch processing. With automatic PHI identification, customers can now reduce the cost, time and effort spent on identifying this type of content from both live audio streams and static recordings. PHI entities are labelled clearly with each output transcript, making it convenient to build additional downstream processing for a variety of purposes, such as redaction, prior to text analytics. And Amazon Transcribe has improved live subtitling with partial results stabilisation. This further improves the live subtitling experience. And what this means is that as Amazon Transcribe processes streaming audio content, it generates partial transcription results until it provides a final transcript for a segment of continuous speech. However, some words or phrases in those partial results might change as Transcribe further understands the context of the audio. Partial result stabilization makes it easier for viewers to read the text output by defining how much the transcript will change during the transcript process. It's pretty nifty. And a quick update for Amazon Fraud Detector. It now supports AWS CloudFormation. So if you want to automatically create and configure the Amazon Fraud Detector resources such as detectors and rules along with the rest of your infrastructure, this will do it for you. Moving on to the topic of management and governance. We're happy to announce Amazon CloudWatch Resource Health. This is a new feature that enables you to automatically discover, manage, and visualize the health and performance of Amazon Elastic Compute Cloud hosts across your applications in a single view. With Resource Health, you can visualize the health of your EC2 hosts in a map or list, by performance dimensions such as CPU or memory and slice and dice hundreds of hosts using tags and available filters such as instance type, instance state and status check. This helps you reduce your mean time to resolution by easily isolating EC2 hosts that are performing suboptimally. Amazon CloudWatch Logs now has dimension support for metrics filters. So this allows you to create filter patterns to search and match items, phrases, or values in your CloudWatch log events. You can now turn these into metrics that you can graph in CloudWatch metrics or use it to create a CloudWatch alarm. And you can now create metrics from JSON or space delimited logs with up to three dimensions where a dimension is a key value pair that's part of the identity of a metric. So for example, using dimension support for metric filters, you can now answer questions such as how many errors were emitted in logs from an application. Amazon CloudWatch Log Service Limits can now be managed with AWS Service Quotas. So if you want to see your limits, you can just jump right into the console and see what they are. And Amazon CloudWatch Application Insights now supports container monitoring. It supports applications deployed in the Amazon Elastic Container Service, ECS, Amazon Elastic Kubernetes Service, EKS, and Kubernetes on EC2 containers running on AWS with CloudWatch Application Insights. With the addition of container workloads, customers can now have an easy path for setting up and managing and monitoring applications along with the container service itself and the container cluster the application is running within. We're monitoring everything. Application Insights will process logs and CloudWatch metrics in addition to those collected from Container Insights for ECS, EKS, and Kubernetes on EC2. You the status of memory, CPU, and containers, including node and pod metrics. Application Insights will not only automatically set up the optimal metrics, telemetry and alarms for your application type such as .NET, Java or SQL Server. It will also analyze and report issues as they occur while providing analysis reports and recommended corrective actions for detected problems. Quick update for Amazon CloudWatch Synthetics. It now supports Cron expressions for scheduling. So this gives you flexibility when scheduling canaries to monitor your endpoints. For example, you can run a canary every minute on weekdays between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Alternatively, you can schedule a canary to run the third Tuesday of the month at 12 p.m. Basically, uh, it allows you to get complete flexibility of scheduling, proving it again that knowing Cron and SQL will get you very far. Customizations for AWS Control Tower version 2.1 has added more scaling optimizations and also improves compatibility with AWS CodeBuild. Now, this customizations for AWS Control Tower is a reference implementation that makes it easy to build your own guardrails and integration with the AWS Control Tower service. Now, in 2.1, we now give customers the option to deploy AWS CloudFormation stack set operations into all specified AWS regions in parallel so you can go faster. The latest release also supports UTF-8 to improve compatibility with AWS CodeBuild and avoid build failure when file names have non-US English characters. Some other improvements allow a list of SSM parameter store keys for AWS CloudFormation parameter of commenter delimited type. We can handle account names with overlapping strings and handle SCP policy tag names with Whitespace. Quick update for AWS License Manager and now provides historical license usage reporting. And it can take a snapshot of that and put it into your S3 bucket. And you can use these reports to track your historical usage, manage compliance and reduce your licensing spend by accounting for maximum license usage. Adibus CloudFormation Guard 2.0 is now generally available. And this release makes Guard a general purpose policy as code evaluation tool. With Guard 2.0, developers can write policy rules for any JSON and YAML formatted files such as Kubernetes configurations and Terraform JSON configurations in addition to already supported CloudFormation templates. Now, Guard is an open source command line interface that gives developers a simple DSL, domain-specific language, to write policy rules and validate their structured hierarchical JSON and YAML data against those rules. The rules can represent company policy guidelines around security, compliance, and more and the structured hierarchical data can represent cloud infrastructure described as code, which we talk about all the time. So this makes it easier to build it right and build it correctly. You can now use AWS Systems Manager Change Calendar to prevent desired state updates during critical events. Change Calendar and State Manager are both capabilities of AWS Systems Manager. And with Change Calendar, you can schedule calendar events to control when change scans can be made to your AWS resources. You can use State Manager to define, enforce, and report on desired state configuration compliance for your infrastructure. So with this new integration, you can help ensure your desired state configuration updates do not conflict with important business activities such as sales events or product launches. We're happy to announce the incident manager from AWS Systems Manager. This is a new capability of AWS Systems Manager that gets you faster resolution of critical application availability and performance issues. So what this does is really helps you prepare for incidents because incidents happen with automated response plans that bring the right people and information together. The Incident Manager console provides a unified user interface to view operational data from multiple AWS services and track incidents updates such as alarm status changes and response plan progresses. Incident Manager helps you improve service reliability by suggesting post incident action items such as automating a runbook step or adding a new alarm. And AWS Organizations has launched a new console experience. This should give you a more intuitive way to manage your multi-account environment on AWS. It should allow you to navigate more quickly in a more streamlined way, and we hope you like it. Moving on to the topic of media services, AWS Elemental Media Connect has added CDI and JPEG XS support. A MediaConnect CDI flow allows you to build uncompressed video workflows on the AWS cloud using MediaConnect to link different products and services together into a virtualized live video production system. Pretty cool. With Media Connect CDI flows, you can build additional on-demand live video production capability as a fraction of the cost of traditional on-premises capital investment, paying for transport only when you use it. Media Connect CDI flows support uncompressed video transport of up to UHD 216p60 at a latency between nodes of only one frame. There is also now support for Kantar watermarking with AWS Elemental Media Convert. So this now supports Kantar Snap watermarking for mezzanine and OTT content delivery. So with this feature, audio streams processed by Media Convert can now be watermarked with unique identifiers that allows for audience measurement across a variety of playback and consumption methods. Onto the topic of migration and transfer, we have the general availability of the AWS Application Migration Service. This is a new service that enables organizations to move applications to AWS without making changes to the applications, their architecture, or the migrated service. AWS Application Migration Service is the primary migration service recommended for lift and shift migrations to AWS. And customers who are currently using Cloud Endure Migration or Server Migration Service are encouraged to switch to this particular service for future migrations. Now you can use AWS migration service for free for 90 days for each server you wanna migrate. And you only pay for the AWS infrastructure that's provisioned during migration and after cutover, things like EC2 and EBS. Migration Evaluator has announced a faster way to project AWS cloud costs with Quick Insights. With Migration Evaluator, organizations can accelerate their evaluation and decision-making for migration to AWS. And Quick Insights gives customers with a one-page summary of their projected AWS costs based on measured on-premises provisioning and utilization. This complementary pre-migration assessment enables customers to rapidly understand the projected cost of running their on-premises estate in the AWS cloud. A couple of quick updates for the AWS. Database Migration Service, it now supports PostgreSQL version 13 in preview mode. And it also now supports Apache Kafka TLS and authentication. And the AWS Transfer family now supports Microsoft Active Directory. So you can now use AWS Managed Active Directory on-premises and self-managed AD in AWS to authenticate your file transfer end users, enabling seamless migration of the file transfer workflows that rely on AD without changing end user credentials or needing a custom authorizer. So as a reminder, AWS Transfer Family provides fully managed file transfers over SFTP, FTPS, and FTP for Amazon S3 and Amazon EFS. Moving on to the topic of mobile, AWS Amplify Hosting has announced server-side rendering support for Next.js web apps. What this means is front-end developers can now leverage all of Amplify Hosting's CICD and hosting capabilities for deploying SSR apps. Now, Next.js is a React framework that combines build-time static site generation with dynamic server-side rendering to enable developers to build performant SEO-friendly web apps. Amplify Hosting supports all Next.js features in version 9.xx, including SSR API routes, dynamic pages, and automatic pre-rendering. Onto the topic of networking and content delivery. Quick update for the Adibus Load Balancer Controller version 2.2 is now available with support for NLB instance targeting. The Adibus Load Balancer Controller provides a Kubernetes native way to configure and manage ELBs that route traffic to applications running in Kubernetes clusters. Elastic Load Balancing offers multiple load balancers that all feature the high availability, automatic scaling and robust security that you need to make your applications fault tolerant. Onto the topic of quantum technology, Amazon Bracket has introduced Quantum Circuit Noise Simulator DM1. So this is a fully managed density matrix simulator, DM1, to simulate quantum circuits with noise. DM1 helps you investigate the effects of realistic noise on your quantum algorithms to inform error mitigation strategies to get more accurate results from today's quantum computing devices. With DM1, you can simulate circuits with up to 17 qubits and run up to 35 simulations in parallel to speed up your experiments. For rapid prototyping and debugging, you can also use the local noise simulator in the Amazon bracket SDK. Onto the topic of security identity and compliance, AWS Certificate Manager Private Certificate Authority now supports storing CRLs in private S3 buckets. And AWS Security Hub now supports bi-directional integration with Atlassian Jira Service Management. Update for Amazon Macy: it now supports criteria-based bucket selection for sensitive data discovery jobs. Now, what this means is that you can define runtime criteria to determine which S3 buckets should be included in a sensitive data discovery job. When a job runs, Macy identifies the S3 buckets that match your criteria and automatically adds or removes them from the job scope. This capability makes it much easier for you to manage S3 buckets that should be monitored for sensitive data and also removes the need to create new jobs to monitor newly created or modified S3 buckets. A quick update for AWS WAF, it adds support for log filtering, which enables you to specify which web requests are logged and which requests are discarded from the log after inspection. You can use log filtering to keep only the information you want to analyze, and it will also help you save on log delivery and storage costs by reducing the amount of log data stored. Moving on to the topic of storage, Amazon FSx for Lustre now supports data compression. So starting today you can activate data compression on all FSX for Lustre file systems and it enables you to reduce storage consumption of both your file system storage and your file system backups. Amazon Elastic File System, EFS, now supports longer resource identifiers for newly created file systems and mount targets. You can opt into this change by using the API, command line interface, CDK, and other things like the console. From now until the end of September, 2021, you can test your workloads with the longer format and opt in when you're ready. After September, 2021, all new resources will be created with longer IDs by default. Note that a new format will only apply to newly created resources. Your existing resources won't be affected. But we strongly recommend testing your systems and opting into longer ID format across your accounts before that timeline. The current format is a resource identifier followed by an 8-character string. The new format will be the same resource identifier followed by a 17-character string. The Amazon EBS container storage interface CSI driver is now generally available. This makes it easy and simple to configure and use block storage for applications running on both EKS, the Amazon Elastic Kubernetes service, and self-managed Kubernetes clusters running on AWS using standard Kubernetes interfaces. The driver implements operations required by the CSI specification to provision, attach, mount, and EBS volume into a Kubernetes pod. And the driver supports advanced EBS configurations, including volume encryption and IOPS sessions. And the driver supports advanced EBS configurations, including volume encryption and IOPS settings. On to the topic of training and certification. There is a new digital training and AWS certification guide for AWS end user computing. These are seven free digital courses that are being added to this series of AWS End User Computing Digital Training Curriculum. And these relate in particular to Amazon Workspaces, some deep dives there, and Amazon AppStream 2.0 Primers to figure out how to use those particular services for your use case. And our last topic today is the topic of support. AWS Premium Support has launched Support Automation Workflows, or SOAR, runbooks for self-service diagnosis and remediation. Also, we are launching additional advanced runbooks that will be available to enterprise and business support customers for faster issue resolution. You can utilize these runbooks built by AWS Premium Support in your AWS accounts to help diagnose and resolve common issues. These runbooks follow AWS best practices and lessons learned from supporting thousands of customers. For example, you can use the AWS Support Collect EKS Instance Logs runbook to gather operating system and relevant log files from Amazon Elastic Kubernetes Service to troubleshoot any cluster issues. Support automation workflows utilize AWS Systems Manager runbooks to assist you in resolving all different kinds of problems in a much easier way. So get on board. And that's it for all the updates today. Uh, Lots and lots of cool things. I want to make a special shout out to Andrew, who is my uh, editor, who goes through my episodes and cleans them up afterwards and tries to make them as listenable as possible because uh, we're on lockdown at the moment in Melbourne, Victoria, and I have recorded this from my kitchen table and my dog has not been helpful. So apologies for any background noise, but I hope it was okay. We do love to get your feedback. at Amazon.com is the place to do that. Plus you can leave uh, recorded feedback as well via the website. And of course, until next time, keep on building.